Good morning. Oh. It's very strange to hold a microphone and just talk into it. I usually do that one. Um, okay, so we are in the series of the I am statements of Jesus, right? Um, over the last few weeks, we've already talked about a few different things. We talked about bread. Amen. We talked about light. And last week we talked about uh, Jesus is the gate. He says, I am the gate. And um, Pastor Jeremy um, led us beautifully. If you weren't here last week to see how Pastor Jeremy led us um, to remember how to go through that gate and to live a life abundantly, it was a beautiful service. Um, You can go back and watch it on the YouTube, I think. Um, This morning our text is, I am the good shepherd. This is the... um, the statement we're going to talk about today. Our main text today is John 10, 11, and also 14 through 16. So I'm going to read that to you first, and um, then we'll kind of jump in. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. I'm going to pray. Good shepherd, will you lead us today? You said in your word in just this text, you said it twice, and that tells me it's really important. Will you open our eyes today to see and our ears today to hear and our hearts to understand the words that you spoke to us through your word? God, I thank you that you are a good shepherd. We surrender to that leading today in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, absolutely. So, the first thing I want to tell you, and we may have talked about this already, but the word I am, or the statement rather, I am, when you look that up in the Greek, I am just means what you think it does, but this is a confirmation. It says, it means to be, to exist, to be present. It is a word used in a continuous format. So I am doesn't mean I was the bread. I was the light. I was the, no, was and is and is to come. I am means I am and continue to be. So that's the first place we need to start and get our minds around what these I am statements mean. They are continuous. Um, I love that Jesus tells stories that are relatable because I love bread um, and sheep are cute, right? So um, we're thinking about these things. Jesus is like, I got to tell these people some stories. Um, And, you know, he taught us often through stories. And I think that's really endearing and just shows the goodness and kindness of Jesus because he gives us important information and allows us to pull towards it so that we can get some meaning out of it. And we're going to do that today. We're going to explore three things about the shepherd that came out of that text that we read um, this morning. I'm going to try really hard to make sure that I say all three of them and you know that they're the main points because I know some of our note takers out there, um, this is like a, this is a thing we got to stay on task. Okay, so the first one that we're going to talk about is that there is a shepherd. 
He said, I am the good shepherd. There is a shepherd, which means there is someone shepherding us. Then the shepherd is present, remember, in a continuous form. So if there is a shepherd, then there's probably sheep. Who are the sheep? We are the sheep. Okay, we are the sheep. Sheep are needy. Sheep are not super great at solving their own problems. Sheep need to be tended. They need to be led. They need to be provided for and fed and all of these things. And Jesus picked sheep to talk about us to us. You think he was on to something, don't you? Okay. Um, Sheep are generally meek and they frolic around. But sometimes they need a little help. I have a picture about how sheep need help. Todd, can we see that, please? Oh, the sheep. He's been helped? Oh, yes, help the sheep, and there we go. Okay. Sheep. This is what sheep do. Do you ever feel like that? Like, Lord, I need a rescue. I need you. I need you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you have rescued me. And back I go into the proverbial ditch. Okay. This is why sheep need a helper, okay? And sheep need a shepherd, someone to watch over them. Um, Let's go to a very familiar passage in Psalm 23 that says, The Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to just read it to you. You know, I'm realizing that the version that you have up here may be different from what I'm about to read, but I believe in you. I believe in you. All right. I'm reading from the CSB. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Okay, now it's your turn. I'm going to have you say that again. Okay, I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Now you. I have what I need. You don't have to repeat the rest of it, but I wanted you to get that. He lets me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. This is one of those things that you've probably seen cross-stitched in everybody's grandma's house. Maybe it's in your house. I liked cross-stitch. But you've seen this over and over and over again. And how familiar does it get? The Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is a shepherd. Well, he said it twice again here in the Gospel of John. John records it two times that he said, I'm the good shepherd. And then he tells us what the shepherd does. The shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And then he says, again, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. In Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3 speak of provision, rest, and renewal. In verses 4 through 6, we see more talking about protection, safety, companionship, correction, and leadership. Sheep need all of those things. Sheep follow. It's what they do. They need a leader. They need to be led. Um, And... When we're talking about the good shepherd, something that I want us to see here is that the, sh- the position of shepherd is filled in our Christian life. It's already filled. 
Go back to that verse. I had you repeat it out loud. The first thing we said was, the Lord is my shepherd. We could insert a lot of things in there. The most common one that we put there is, I am my shepherd. I am my shepherd. My bank account is my shepherd. My pride is my shepherd. My feelings are my shepherd. But what, what does the truth say here? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And the follow-up to that was, I have what I need. Now, that's pretty counterintuitive to the way that we live our lives. A lot of times we say, I am my shepherd. I'm going to get what I need. And please know that when I'm saying that out loud, I'm saying it to me too. I have a hard time relinquishing that and trusting that the shepherd is the one who provides. But the position of shepherd is filled for us in our Christian life. We don't have to be that shepherd. It's not even good for us to try to be the shepherd. But we are sheep. So like sheep, we're going to follow. The question is not, will we follow something, but what are we following? Who are we following? Again, who is our shepherd? Um, Another thing to think about is that the shepherd, if we think about it um, in terms of a shepherd and a pasture and sheep, the shepherd has to be present because if the sheep start wandering away, then the shepherd has to be like, whoop, there goes Sally again. I got to go get her. Or there he goes wandering off again. I'm going to go get that shepherd. You know, you've heard the verse that says he'll leave the 99 for the one. And that's, that's how present the shepherd is and how aware the shepherd is of each of our lives and our um, situations. When you think about that in the first verse of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. When I think about that, I think that sounds really restful. Do you ever really get to the point in your own heart and mind where you know that you have all that you need? For me, it's a struggle to feel like I have all that I need. It feels like there's kind of like a hole in the bucket, and it can't be possibly ever full, right? There's got to be more to be had. But when the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. So what, what do I have to do then to put the Lord in his proper place in my heart and my life to let him be the shepherd, to let him be in control? Well, it involves surrender. But the shepherd is near available and accessible. When we try to shepherd ourselves, we lean into our own experiences, our own previous thoughts and teachings, even our assumptions about how God should respond. We start to put God in a, in a box of, the shepherd should meet my need like this. The shepherd should meet my need on this timeline. But the Lord is the good shepherd, and when he's the shepherd, I have what I need. We limit him to our ideas, timelines, and perceptions, and we then think, well, maybe if I just decided that I was, um, uh, whatever my behaviors are, maybe they're keeping me from that. So I'll just, like, keep repenting, like, really hard. And if I repent really hard, then I'm going to get the shepherd to do what I need. 
Because the trouble is, I've, I've just spinned that around. Back to me being my shepherd. But Jesus is the shepherd. He has satisfied every necessary penance with his death and resurrection. He's the only Savior, and he already paid it all. He laid down his life to be the good shepherd. Which leads us to point number two. Okay, point number one was the shepherd is present. That position is filled. The second point is that the shepherd serves. Back in the uh, original or main text, he said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So the second thing that the shepherd does to show us what it's like to be shepherded and to whom we are surrendering is that he laid down his life. In Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him all the sins of us all. The good shepherd led us by being the example of laying down his life in surrender to serve a good plan laid out by a good God who is the good shepherd. He laid down his life for the sheep. The... Um, in Matthew twenty twenty eight, another verse about this service and surrender, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. So Jesus' purpose here in, in this great big story of how God has redeemed every one of our hearts is that he came to serve. The word there um, in the Greek is the word... Deaconeo. The word we get deacon from. Church, deacons, ministers, servants. Other uses, to be a servant attendant to serve, to wait upon, to minister to, to relieve one's necessities. So, that's what the word serve means translated there in that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. How many times, again, do we think that if I do the service, if I do the service, if I do the thing, if I do the repentance, if I do said action, then then I will be worthy of being shepherded. shepherded. The first thing was surrender. The first thing to be done is surrender, and out of surrender comes the desire to serve. So when um, a shepherd is with their flock and the sheep know that shepherd, they know that's the shepherd where I get my food. He's going to lead us to new food. He's going to lead me to green pastures. He's going to lead us to still waters. That's my shepherd. I know him. He provides for my needs. So out of that love and adoration for him, I say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to serve him the way that he is serving me. By taking care of all of my needs. By supplying my necessities. I want to talk about a couple different stories where Jesus was a servant to his people. Um, And we're going to talk about some, um, two of these things start in Luke 24. I'm not going to read like all of the verses or anything out of there. But two little stories that I want to tell us about. The first one is that... um, talking about Jesus serving his people. Okay, he had been telling them, 
I'm going to have to die. The crucifixion is coming. And they were like, absolutely not. That's just not going to work for us. We don't like that plan. We've been serving with you. You are our best friend and we are going to be with you. No, we're not going to do that, right? Well, Jesus was like, I'm going to have to die and I will rise again on the third day. And they're like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really like that plan. So in Luke 24, right after the resurrection, um, angels appear to the women at the tomb and then they tell the others, Jesus is not there. He's not there. The angels told us he's not in there. He's got to be somewhere. So there's a point in Luke, and it's not in every gospel, but particularly in Luke, it says that when the women came to tell the others that Jesus was no longer there, Peter ran to check into the tomb. He went to seek out Jesus. Now let's remember what happened before the crucifixion with Peter. What happened with Peter? What did, what did he go through there? Remember some roosters and some denials, and Jesus said, hey, you're going to deny me three times. He was like, absolutely, I will not do that. And then he did do that, right? So Peter had denied Jesus three times. And then the roosters. Y'all hear roosters in your head too? Yes, thank you. Someone else please hear roosters. Um, so Peter is like, I did it. I did deny Jesus. Then Jesus went to be crucified, and now Peter is crushed. He's like, I can't believe I did that. What, how, did, how did that happen? Like, I'm so disappointed. I'm so sad. All of those things. Now, that's conjecture. I'm saying that I think that's how Peter felt here. So he goes to to seek out Jesus thinking, maybe I could talk to Jesus, and then I could talk to him, and then it'll all be fine, and it'll be better, and I'll say that I'm sorry, and it's going to be fine. He didn't find him like he expected. The very same day in Luke 24, the walk to Emmaus is occurring. Do you remember that story about the walk to Emmaus? There's a couple of disciples... um, that are not of the other group, and they are walking along to Emmaus, and um, Jesus appears with them. Now, it says that he was hidden from them, but he was walking along with them and started telling them all these stories. Like, they are so disappointed. It talks about them being downcast and sad and disappointed that Jesus had died, that he had been crucified and he had died. Um, And then they're on their way, and then Jesus shows up to them, again, hidden, but talking to them. Hey, yeah, but don't y'all remember, Jesus says to the guys, don't y'all remember, though, that the, the old prophets said that this was going to happen? So this is not like new information. We knew this was coming, right? And the guys are like, how did you know that? You're just some, like, guy. And then they get to where they're going, and Jesus reveals himself to them. And they're like, what? Then they say to themselves, like, that was so strange, because, like, I, I kind of, it felt really familiar, this guy, but I didn't think he was Jesus, and then Jesus appears to them and says, he shows them that he's Jesus. So those people run right back. This is a long day in Luke 24, okay? It's a long day. The women have already gone. Peter is sad. The guys are walking. They were also very sad, but now they've seen Jesus, and they are running back to tell the other disciples, that they have seen Jesus. By the time they get back, the other disciples tell them, guys, you're never going to believe this, Jesus is alive. And it says in Luke 24 that they said he's alive because he revealed himself to Peter. 
It didn't say when he revealed himself to Peter in that same text. But Peter, the one who went seeking after Jesus, Jesus had revealed himself sometime in, because God's not bound by time. Jesus is not bound by time. And it's not in the timeline exactly, but it says that Jesus had revealed himself to Peter, and that's how those other disciples got to know. So now all these people that had been really sad and downcast, what a gift it was that Jesus was like, okay, he just did the most incredible miracle of all time, Jesus, dying on a cross and being resurrected, just like he said. He had just done the most incredible thing that anybody could ever think of. And all the people were just so sad. But Jesus, one by one and group by group, showed up and said, Here I am. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm not really that far away. I'm here. And so he had revealed himself to Peter. And um, the other disciples, let me get back to my notes because now I'm like circled back around this. Um, When Jesus showed up to all of them, the next verse I want to share with you is Romans 5, 5. This hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And then 2 Timothy 2.13 says, Even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, true to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. So Jesus came with the heart of a servant. He was serving the mission of his father in the death and burial and resurrection. And he's came to serve each of these people in a very personal way. Fast forwarding just a little bit to um, after that happens and Jesus shows up to all the people, all of the disciples there gathered in the room after they're all like, I saw him and she saw him and he saw him and he's here. And then Jesus literally shows up to all of them. He's like, hey, y'all, I'm back. And Jesus tells them to, to wait there until the helper comes. He's telling them that the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then this is the, the next story where then... Peter is like, okay, I saw Jesus, and then Peter goes fishing. Y'all remember the story about Peter going fishing? This is in John 21. So in John 21, um, again, remember that Jesus, his friend, had just done the greatest miracle of all time in dying and being resurrected. And then Peter goes fishing. Now, there's a lot of uh, different, like, notes and commentaries about why Peter went fishing. Like maybe he just wanted to escape and get away from being near Jesus because he's still real mad at himself because he ever denied Jesus. Um, Maybe he was just bored. Who knows? We can't know exactly why Peter was not staying there and waiting for the helper. Um, But Peter and some other guys went out and went fishing. And so if we go back, Peter went right after the women Jesus wasn't there. Jesus revealed himself to Peter later that day and stood there with them. And still Peter went away. Are you ever like Peter? Like, 
okay, Jesus, that was such a cool thing that you did. Thank you so much for being amazing and glorious in my life. You know what, though? I feel like I can't be here right now. I'm going to take my feelings and I'm going to go over here. I'm just going to go fishing. I know that you did a really cool thing over there, but I am currently being shepherded by my feelings. Now, don't hear me just telling you if, if you're feeling that a little bit. Me too. Me too. So then Jesus shows up to them. You know the story. They catch 153 fish after they've been trying in their own strength all night to be their own shepherd and be their own fishermen, and they are not getting anything. And Jesus says, hey, guys. Hey, friends. Do it over there. Put it over there. And they're like, we already tried that. You ever done that to Jesus? I already tried that. Jesus. Didn't work. Where was my heart when I already tried that? So Jesus said, try it again. So they did. They caught way too many fish. And Peter's like, he is he's cooking. So he just dives. He's like, I have, Jesus came after me again. He came to me again, even though I was still in my feelings and I was still doing a thing over here. Jesus came after me again. He came to serve me and he gets up there and Jesus is like, Hey, let's have some breakfast. Jesus doesn't say, I found you sit down. Let's talk. That's not what he said first. Jesus invited him into relationship, to have a meal, to be with him, just to, just to be near him, to get to know him, to have a conversation. And so they eat together. Can you imagine what Peter's like? Oh, gosh, okay, i got to eat this food. He told me i got to eat. We can't even talk about it yet. I, I was ready. I was ready to talk about it. We were just going to fight it out. But he said to eat. Okay, fine, I'm just going to eat. I'm going to eat my food. <sighs> So the whole time he's probably just like shoveling his food in and he's like, oh. this is like when you get a text message, it's like, we need to talk. This is kind of equivalent, I'm thinking. Like Peter sees Jesus, because they're not text messaging. Jesus shows up. What if everybody you needed to talk with just showed up in front of you every day? Right? Feel a little, feel a little spicy. Like, ooh, <laughs> it feels uncomfortable. So, but... The way that Jesus shows up in his character is that if we are faithless, he remains faithful and true to his word and his righteous character, and he cannot deny himself. He doesn't become someone different when he's around someone in a hard situation. He doesn't become someone different when he needs to have a hard conversation. He shows up as love because he is love. So he showed up, and he made him breakfast, and then he said... Hey, Peter, just think about that. Peter's sitting in his anxiety and like, oh, we gotta, we're going to have a talk, we're going to have a talk. And Jesus is just like, hey, man, I haven't seen you in, a, I don't know, days, hours. I don't know the timeline. But he showed up to give Peter the opportunity. Remember, he denied him three times. Peter's probably got roosters crowing in here like, oh, the last time I saw you. I heard roosters. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah. Not like, hey, Peter, do you remember that bad thing that you did? The thing that you did that was really rude? Even though I told you you were going to do it. Jesus didn't show up and like, you remember what you did that was bad? 
No. He just said, hey, Peter, do you love me? Does that make you feel a little bit melty on the inside? Because it kind of does me. So, of course, Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says it again. And then a third time, Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter says, yes, what's Jesus tell him to do? He says, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Y'all thought I forgot we were talking about sheep, didn't you? We done been to the tomb and to Emmaus. We came back. We've been fishing. We're still talking about sheep. Jesus said, if you love me, Peter, feed my sheep. Jesus didn't ask Peter to feed anybody until Jesus had fed Peter. Peter, I see you working out there in your own strength, but come on, get off that boat. I need to be with you. I want to feed you. I want to take care of you and provide for your needs, physical, spiritual, emotional. I want to provide for you. And now that I've provided for you, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then go feed my sheep. Jesus knows the intents of our hearts and the extent of our faith. And he still says, come follow me. Take ownership and trust me, even though it doesn't really make sense. Jesus had the full benefit of knowing and being God and understanding his character. Jesus still willingly chose to serve and to surrender to die. Can we know God that deeply too? That we become more and more trusting of his character, that we're willing to be led. That we can know his voice. The third point is that the shepherd speaks. The shepherd speaks. And the sheep who are aware of the voice of the shepherd, they know the voice of the good shepherd. Back in the original verse, that we read in uh, John 10 in 14. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. Okay, so I just answered my own question. Can we then know the father as well as Jesus knows the father? He said, they know me just as my fathers know me and I know the father. I sacrifice my life for the sheep They will listen to my voice. Okay, so that's just parts of that. So go to John 10, 3 through 5. We're still in John 10, but 3 through 5. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from a stranger, because they don't know his voice. Even as we have been sitting here today, you're now familiar with my speaking voice, right? Because we've just been in the same room for a while, and just because of how our brains work, you are now familiar with my voice. So a voice that we hear, we have to hear it a few times usually before we're really sure of, of... who it is that's speaking, right? Like, if 
your third grade teacher showed up in the back of the room and called your name, you would be like, I know that voice, right? Let's revisit for a second that story on the walk to Emmaus. These guys were talking to Jesus about Jesus. Now, they didn't know that it was Jesus at the time because the Lord hid him from them. It says it there. But they were talking to Jesus. Do you ever talk to Jesus about Jesus? I do. Like, hey, God, you know, that's really cool. One time I was doing some stuff, and I was, like, at youth camp, and I had this really amazing, powerful thing happen in my life, and it was, like, really super cool. And um, and then I heard that, that Jesus made a promise to somebody and whatever, and I'm just praying, and then I think, how, how, how did I think that was going to go? Like, if I'm talking to James about James, I'm just, just telling stories in third person. It's not very personal and not very intimate, right, when you're just talking about someone to someone. But it wasn't until Jesus was revealed to them, and they were like, the whole time they said to one another, Luke 24, 32, Did not our heart burn within us while he had talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? They knew. They realized. They knew his voice the whole time. But they didn't know his face at that time. So, Jesus wasn't pushing them to to know a certain thing or trying to get them to believe something or to have an opinion. He was just walking along with them, being with them and telling them all of these things. But their hearts burned with them, within them with a flame of knowing. I've been talking to God. <laughs> I look back in my journal and I have been journaling about things about the shepherd since last fall. Apparently, that's what's something that God and I have been talking about. And I've been talking to him about knowing his voice as a shepherd. Like, God, I, I think I can hear you. I, I think we can talk about stuff, but do I really know your voice? And you might be feeling a little bit nervous about asking God that question for fear that he'll be like, you don't know me. I'm not talking to you if you're not sure about it. But Jesus doesn't do that. He can't deny his character, which is love, because God is love. The first thing he's going to do is love you and say, Hey, we're here together again. Do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. And if that can be even the first thing that you let Jesus say to you, then you're going to know his voice and your heart's going to burn within you. If you will let him recalibrate what you know about him and who he is and how he speaks, then you're going to feel that burning within you. And I think Jesus talks to us in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I know we've talked about this, and Pastor Jeremy has taught us about this several times before, too. We are hearing Jesus through his word, through others, through preaching, through um, community through familiar or recurrent ideas that come to us over and over again. You ever just see something for like the eighth time in a week and you're like, oh, 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 
Jesus, is that you? Like, Holy Spirit, I'm listening. Um, I'm going to share with you just a little bit from a, a couple of different ways that Jesus speaks to us. Um, in this book that I have with you, I'm going to read just a couple of sentences from it by Randall Worley. It's called Wandering and Wondering. Doesn't that sound like a sheep to you? Wandering and Wondering. He mentions two ways that we can hear the voice of God, our good shepherd. Through silence and through intimacy. And both of those things might be like, I don't like either of those. No, thank you. But Jesus is an intimate God. Randall says in his book that hearing is a passive, no-brainer experience, like breathing or blinking. doesn't require any effort for you to hear. Short of a hearing, you know, like problem. It doesn't require effort. Listening, however, utilizes intentional attention. Intentional attention. Most humans are hard of listening rather than hard of hearing. Okay? So, um, getting silent before God is one way that we can sharpen our ear toward hearing him. I have a little picture to show you, a second picture to show you about being silent. So here. So the word silent contains the word listen and vice versa. Listening is an intentional act. You know how many noises you could hear at one time? If you, if you just tune your ear to this room right now, not only would you hear my voice, but you would hear several other sounds. And to any other room that you're ever in, hearing is just happening all the time. But if I were quiet and you listened on purpose to hear a certain sound, maybe that I would point out to you, you would tune your ear toward it and you could, you could get yourself to hear that thing louder and listen to it, to, to intentionally place your attention there. Silence makes most of us uncomfortable, Randall says, because we often feel alone, isolated, or afraid. But remember, God said to be still and know that he is God. Those sheep that are out in the pasture, I I read that um, different shepherds have different calls. So one shepherd if they happened to be in the same field at one time, one shepherd would go over to one corner and make his call. And the other shepherd would go to the other corner and make his call. And because those sheep know that shepherd's voice, they would split up and go to the right shepherd. Because they know the voice of the shepherd. And they would not go to the stranger's voice because they know that that's not their shepherd. It's not that you need to pay attention to all the other voices to figure out if they're not the right one, but you have to pay attention to the voice of God to be sure that you know it is him. So if anything that you're hearing that you're intentionally listening to doesn't sound like the good shepherd, you know, "Mm, I shouldn't follow that. The second thing that Randall talks about is intimacy is another way that we get to know the voice of God. 
you know, if you meet a stranger on the street, you might talk to them, have a good conversation, and feel like, that was really fun. Glad to meet that person. If they came back up to you and tried to speak to you, you would not recognize them, maybe their face. You wouldn't recognize their voice, most likely. Because there's not any intimacy there. It's all just surface level, and you don't really know anything about them. So, Worley notes in here that speaking the same language does not guarantee clear communication. Anybody ever have that experience? Everything we hear, everything we listen to, is filtered through our subconscious influences and previous experiences. We do listen more with our hearts than our heads. But God speaks in love, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, in gentleness. He speaks out of his character, and he cannot deny himself. And once we hear the voice of God, we can note that the burning within our hearts is that familiarity with him. John ten twenty seven, The sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them, and they follow me. So there is a good shepherd. The good shepherd came to serve us, to meet us, to be available to us. The shepherd is speaking, and we are to on purpose learn to listen to him, to learn to seek out his voice so that we cannot follow the other voices because it's not a question of will we hear. It's not a question of will we follow, but who will we listen to? Who will we follow? And will we let Jesus be close enough to us that we will surrender to his leading. In Psalm 95, 4, it says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In closing, I'm going to read Psalm 23 one more time to you. And then I'm going to pray briefly. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through a dark valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Father, thank you that you are the good shepherd. Thank you that you have given us an opportunity to be led by you, 
I pray, Father, today that if um, our hearts are stirred with the need for surrender, Father, you would help us to just say yes to that, that we would be surrendered to what you have for our lives, that we would trust that you are the good shepherd who will provide all that we need, who will provide our necessities in, in serving us through love, that you would help us to be sensitive, to really listen to you and not just hear the, the chatter around us, that we would be very sensitive to your voice and that you would be a protector over us that you would protect our hearts from becoming hard, even when it seems a little scary or, or rocky. I pray that you would show us the kindness and the goodness, the availability and accessibility of you, our good shepherd, all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.